So Tori, on a scale of 1 to 2010, how disappointed are you in this season now? <laughs> oh, I'm not close to 2010. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed in the outcome of these individual games. I'm disappointed in Iowa's inability to step up to the plate uh, in spotlight games. But uh, I think, objectively, I think they've uh, performed right where we thought they'd perform um, going into the season. And so I'm trying to not lose sight of that. I mean, you know, like we talked about last week, the how they're losing these games is really frustrating as a fan but when you look at the big picture um you know they're right there they're they're playing well for the most part when they're not making ridiculous mistakes um and you know they're on pace to be probably nine and three eight and four like we thought so i guess kind of hard to get too upset yeah but bill uh nine and three eight and four especially doesn't that feel like a a huge kick in the teeth at this point. I mean, considering where we were a couple weeks ago, or is that just the the curse of expectations? Uh, I predicted ten and two um, back in week one, so I'm already a little disappointed. But I, I guess since you bring up 2010, you know, 2010, 2014, 2016 have kind of uh, prepared me for this, and and <laughs> I'm not angry so much as just eh, you know it's that's iowa football that's what it's gonna be you know and uh for every three games we play we lose one this season and we've got four left so i'm anticipating at least one more loss and there's your eight and five we have four left or three left well you've got three regular season with one bowl bowl game so that's yeah four more games uh well welcome to a maybe a toned down low-key 12 saturdays podcast i'm james bladel and of course with Tori Brecht and Bill Delahunt, and I will say that uh, it is nice to have the three of us all on the same episode again. It's been a couple of, <laughs> it's been, what, about a month uh, since we did that, so that's that's improvement, but uh, Hey, yeah. maybe that's why Iowa keeps losing. It's our fault, yeah. That's, we're not hey, doing we our are part. Favored, we are favored by 10 this week, so. How is that? Uh, <laughs> who even knows? However, I will say that Vegas has you know, been been totally right. Uh, you know, we were five and a half point dogs to Penn State, lose by six. One and a half point dogs to Purdue, lose by two. So they're on the money, and and if if that's the shape of things to come in this week, I love it. Well, and you know, I'm glad you brought that up, Bill, because I think that you know, going back to Jim's you know question that kicked us off, you know, for the last several seasons, one thing that we've really been harping on and bemoaning is. Iowa, you know, losing games they were quote-unquote expected to win. Um, They haven't done that this year yet. And if they actually somehow find a way to win out, I do expect them to be favored in these last three games. Um, And you get to nine wins instead of the, you know, six, seven, eight that we've been also bitching about. I mean, if they go nine and three and don't lose a single game uh, where they were favored, can you really be that upset? That means that we have beaten Nebraska, and no, I cannot be upset with that. I'll take it. Uh, I, you know, I guess not. I guess that's kind of where I thought we'd be at the beginning of the season. I guess, you know, shame on me for buying into the hype a little bit the last couple of weeks. Um, and I think the, you know, watching the games of Penn State and Purdue 
and knowing how easily a couple of plays here or there could have gone the other direction and we could you know be booking you know already paying the scalpers for our tickets to indianapolis and talking about pasadena and stuff like that i do feel like you know something's been taken away from us here in the last couple of weeks and I, i'm not ashamed to say that i think that that's part of being a fan you know no, no, no. I, I mean, I think disappointment, disappointment is a is a very valid uh, emotion to have given the last two games. But I guess anger and vitriol, and I'm not accusing you guys of that, but just saw some of that on the board. I've heard of, seen a little bit of, on Twitter. It just seems to me to be kind of stupid. I mean, yeah. when you're you're not favored for a reason. Well, um, I've been staying you know, away and from you're, the you're, internet. You're dead even with the team, and Iowa just didn't make the plays. So. Yeah. You know? I will say I will say something that is making me like straight up angry though, Tori, um, if I can, which is I think, and this is one of the reasons why I'm maybe not as optimistic that we'll be nine and three. I I still think we lose one, maybe even two, of the next three. I'm um, right there with you, and, and I say that because everything I've seen so far about this team is kind of a just a uh, just an absence of what do you want to call it, moxie, grit, resilience gamer you know what i mean uh, the resilience the ability to bounce back it just kind of i don't see it i don't see it from this group i see i see kind of a workman sort of approach to it and i see them kind of almost uh you know just kind of accepting of whatever fate deals them and i just don't see um i'm concerned i feel like i, I feel like Jim, this Jim, is the... I totally 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 disagree with that in both the last two games after they got down they came back and, and took a late lead. They came um, back to lose you know, by in less. The, in, the, <laughs> in the Penn State game, you know, they had the, the screw up on the goal line. Um, and then one could make a legitimate argument. I didn't make the argument, but I've seen even, you know, uh, Chad Lesikow and some of the other writers say that, you know, in some ways, the refs really had a huge impact on Iowa not finishing out that game against Purdue. You know, calls, you know, one of those holding calls was complete bogus which completely changed the game the pass interference was bad i mean there you know i i hate using those as excuses but i don't think that says anything about iowa's grittiness or resilience i mean they they were down there making the plays they needed to 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 make to put themselves in a position to win they got the lead late after struggling for much of the game and uh they just don't finish I mean, I well, think that's, that's kind of, a fair that's part and, That's what I'm talking about. That's part and parcel of it. And it was, goes back to what I was saying, I think, last uh, last week, which is, you know, you've got the ball, you're down a couple of points, or you've got the ball, you're up by one, you need to kill three minutes with a sustained drive, even if it doesn't result in points, or the or the uh, the or your opponent's got the ball, you know, deep in their own territory. Can you stop them from driving the field from the winning score? And the answer, like, for the last several years has been no they can't do it they're just not clutch and and i just i i'm concerned that that's going to carry have a carry-on effect into uh into next week especially northwestern i think is is getting hot right at the right time well i think it's fair to say they're not clutch by the way northwestern lost last week um they are it is fair to say they're not clutch uh, but that's different than not being gritty or resilient. I mean, you know, that's parsing semantics to an extent. But I mean, was Keegan Render not clutch, or was he not resilient when he made a clean block and gets halt, called for holding? I don't know. Yeah, Sorry, I, I, I'm gonna say that I do 
totally agree with Jim what he said there. And, you know, I, I think you're bringing up individual guys or the penalties. Yeah, there are individual guys on the team, but the team as a whole is not clutch. And the whole team as a whole invents new ways to screw up. You know, if you told me that we were going to limit uh, Rondale Moore to, what, 31 yards receiving? And we were going to score 36 offensive points and Stanley was going to hit 66% of his passes? I'd have been like, this is going to be a laugher of a game. You know, we're not going to, there's not going to be anything to worry about after halftime. But then the defense invents a new way to just let Purdue. Terry, Terry Wright? Who that guy? The the number nine guy for Purdue? I yeah. don't know his name. I don't know. No one's supposed to know his name because he's not their star, but. Right. He's like, just like, like the, it, just like the guy who, you know, murdered us last year, right? It's like, who was that guy? Nobody knows. Sure. Completely forgettable guy that somehow you know has a career day against Iowa. And one other point, and on Hawkeye Report, there's a guy who compares Clemson's defensive line stats uh, with Iowa's defensive line stats, and Clemson's is widely acknowledged as having, you know, like five NFL guys on it. You know, backups are going to the NFL, and. They picked a, a great week to just not show up. I think we might have had one sack in that game. So so I think Jim's right. We're, we're not consistent or reliable, and that is a part of grit. Mm, I See, I don't know. I, maybe we just have different definitions for words because, I, I mean, my whole column this week is about Iowa not being clutch and, and using the stats. So, I mean, no disagreement on that. I guess, to me, when you start questioning their grit and toughness, you're basically saying they're quitting or they're they're not trying hard enough or something. And I don't see that with this team. I mean, they're fighting tooth and nail. Um, the inconsistency, I mean, that's another thing that I touch on. You know, Stanley went 275 yards, 65% completion rate, and one touchdown, no interceptions. And they held more down. So that's a – and we rushed for over 100 yards. You you tell, throw those three stats out, and you're right, Bill. That that should be an easy win. So this week the defense doesn't show up. The Wisconsin game muffed punts. You know it's it's all whatever. Whenever they lose, it's a different aspect of the game that they're exactly. screwing up. And and so it's the consistency and, and that that inability to you know just sustain excellence in in all three phases in a in a given game, especially in the big games. It's always you know one part goes askew and that's what kills them but you know i have no issues with their effort uh their toughness and those things well maybe we are just talking past each other with different definitions because i i see it as you know does your you know are you able to kind of lock in your gains in one area and use that to kind of offset some you know um, some in, you know deficiencies in other areas, and I think what we're saying is the answer is no. You know they're kind of they're hot on offense one one week, and then the defense falls apart, and then the other you know most of the other season you flip it around, and in Wisconsin it was special teams that killed us. You know it's just it's like like you said, Tori, it's like you can't reliably count on all three phases supporting each other it's like which one is going to be the letdown which one's going to be the 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 stuck wheel on the grocery cart this week you know so mm. hey it's it's just maybe we're just seeing we're just using different terminology to describe the same problem my concern is is that if if you look at it through the lens that i'm looking at it through is that there's a very high probability that it has a carry-on effect uh into uh, into next week um so i'm just worried about that 
I think that's completely valid because this team hasn't shown any mental toughness and that would that would be a problem that would surface, you know, a week after a, a two game stretch of letdowns, I think. Yeah, and again, I'm not saying toughness. I think my word is just consistency that you build upon without taking, you know, regressive steps backwards. That's where I see yeah, it. it'll be interesting. I actually feel that they're probably, and I know we're nowhere near ready to start doing our uh, actual prediction part yet, but, uh, you know, now that the stakes are basically gone, uh-huh. I feel like Iowa's going to be relaxed and has a very good chance of just kicking the snot out of Northwestern. Um, and I don't know that that's a compliment to Iowa. <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> you know, it's it's when they have an open path to the Big Ten championship or they start getting highly ranked or they get talked about in the college football uh, playoff poll. They seem to tighten up and, and screw up and can't take advantage. That's what and that's what I wrote about this week. Um, but I think now now that we can, you know, have, a, you know, see how we can get ourselves set for a decent bowl against a good team and do that, you know, all of a sudden I have a feeling you're going to see him uh, firing on all cylinders again. And uh, again, not a compliment. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. It's like being at a public urinal with no one around you. I I think they're just going (laughs) to let it fly. Is super weird. (laughs) Super weird, but oddly, that is actually an oddly really good analogy. I don't. I don't get, I mean, an IP in airports all the time, man, and I don't get that. <laughs> you never suffered from any stage fright? Uh, I don't know. Usually if I made it to the urinal, it's it's the other problem. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's like last minute. So, well, I, you know, I hope you guys are right. Nothing would please me more than to stomp Nebraska and fat Fitzgerald and, um, uh, and of course, Illinois. Um, but... Uh, uh, but I don't know. And and I think that the concern I have is, again, and I think, Tori, this is your theme as well, is that when, when opportunity knocks, you know, you have to grab it, uh, tackle it, and bring it in and tie it to the couch. And, um, you know, if you look at, like, well, these guys are young, look at next year. Next year's schedule is freaking brutal, <laughs> you know, if you haven't looked at it. I mean, this was kind of your year to, to to have a coming out party. And next year, you know, was more like the crucible but it looks like we're deciding that we're gonna uh you know we're gonna throw them into the fire uh, uh a little later so well but should we flush this then and and move on okay well we don't really have a guest this week I guess having all three of us on the podcast is about uh, as close as we've got to blessing our audiences with a guest. No one wants to talk to us now that we've lost a couple games. Uh, the the stats are going to take a nosedive in <laughs> WordPress. Well, speaking, well, speaking of speak- stats, Bill, why don't you uh, regale us with your uh, Stanley concerns that you were telling us about? I think that's a worthy uh, concept of discussion. Yeah, this actually uh, comes from Hawkeye Reports' Blair Sanderson, who posted that uh, through nine games last year, uh, Stanley's quarterback efficiency was 145.81. I don't know everything that goes into that, but I know that's decent. Uh, And he was hitting 58.3% of his passes. Uh, Fast forward to this year through nine games, his efficiency has dropped 12 points to 133, and his percentage is down uh, 1%. 
add in the fact that he has twice as many turnovers and eight interceptions this year versus four last year through nine games. And uh, the myth that the Iowa quarterback somehow gets worse uh, as he as he plays for Kirk Ferentz is actually proving itself right now. It's, and I say that it's a myth because uh, there's a conception that uh, Drew Tate got worse. Totally. And people say the same about Stanley or Stanzi. Yep. Uh, but they actually got better statistically uh, as the years went by. But what about uh, what about uh, <laughs> well Vandenberg and Bethard? They regressed, right? Vandenberg can his regression can be chalked up to having Greg Davis and exactly Mar- in no, the first no. year his, too. His regression was Marvin McNutt graduated. <laughs> <laughs> that that certainly didn't hurt or help. Yeah, I. I I think it's interesting because um, when you said that turnovers are higher, um, are the are you just counting interceptions or fumbles as well? Because remember, Stanley had like wow. three or four fumbles in the first couple of games last year. I'm actually only counting interceptions. That's just the the passing stats that I'm looking at. But do you yeah, remember he how he the... could not take a sack without coughing up the football last year for like the first three games? Or is it just my yeah. my nightmare? No, that 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 registers for me too. I will say this, though, Bill. I mean, I looked at those numbers, and I don't think the regression is really as bad. I guess what's concerning to me is that it hasn't stepped up. Like, a 1% change in completion, okay, whatever. That's that's a wash, right? He has thrown for more yards per game this year at 226, and I think he's had more attempts, too, which kind of explains the, uh, the more uh Yeah, 17 turnovers. more attempts. But, you know... It is concerning to me that, you know, for a while there, and I think the Penn State game really sunk his numbers because I'm pretty sure prior to that game, he was uh, around 60% on the completion rate because that was kind of the target going into the year. So, you know, we'll see how he does against uh, uh, maybe a few softer defenses coming up. His stat line against Purdue was, was really nice. Again, 275 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, and 65% completion rate. I'll take that every week. Well, and then also I would challenge the, I think that there's a, and this is the math nerd in me talking about, there's an outlier hiding in there, which is the Maryland game this year, where how many True. attempts did he even have? Um, and I, granted, he had one touchdown, I, he threw one pick, but um, I, I don't think he really attempted to throw much and, and certainly didn't get a lot uh, going in the air. But, but, but there's also a, a situation where, you know, his, his stat line probably looked like garbage. His efficiency was terrible, and yet it was a blowout win. So it's, I mean, I guess there, there's kind of your 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 aberration that's maybe dragging the numbers down. But generally, I, I tend to agree. I think that the idea that you would want to see the most progress between year one and year two, especially considering if you compare the um, the uh, receiving core that he had last year versus this year. Um, it should be much higher. It should be night and day that this is the a breakout year. And I guess, I guess, even if it's, you know, we're arguing like, you know, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin or whatever the differences between some of these numbers, it it shouldn't be that close. It should be a um, a big jump forward, and we're just not seeing that. Here, here, I'm I'm right there with you. And um, yeah, as far as the Maryland game, he was 11 of 22 for 86 yards. I think it was the Penn State game, certainly. Uh, that just destroyed his numbers, but I guess you wouldn't expect that in the uh, second-year starter. So, 
Well, my biggest concern, honestly, with Stanley, more than anything, is his relative lack of mobility. I mean, I think that that is the problem, and I think that's why those games like Penn State happen, because if you can get some pressure on him, he's not going to be able to step up in the pocket, sidestep, roll out, do some of those things. I mean, he has a great arm. He has good accuracy when he has time to throw, and he makes good decisions, but you have to give him just almost perfect protection to get him to to achieve at that level. And, uh, you know, our offensive line is okay this year. I don't think, I think especially the interior of this line, the, the guard play has been average at best. And I think until that gets shored up or until you put in a more mobile quarterback, when you start playing those top defenses, his numbers aren't going to look great. Yeah, I think that's fair. I can I can think of two plays off the top of my head where he's looked great feet-wise, and that was against Ohio State last year with the guy, you know, holding on to his legs and he makes the perfect throw. And then this year against Indiana where he kind of rolled out and he had three different guys, I think, bounce off of him and everybody was comparing him to Ben Roethlisberger. I don't watch the NFL, but I, I guess if enough people say it, it must be true. But, yeah, otherwise he's statuesque, isn't he? He doesn't really... Uh, he doesn't I mean, really no, scare you with he's, his he's, running he, ability. Yeah, he's big and strong, but you know why people hang off of him and, and Ben Roethlisberger? Because neither one of them can move worth a damn. <laughs> you think he's hurt? I mean, obviously he had the thumb taped up, but you think he's got like something going on ankle-wise or something? <laughs> I think he's just slow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to, but to Bill's point, we did see a little bit more movement earlier in the year. Um uh, and even going back to last year. So I'm just wondering if, you know, just a little bing up. So who else can we pick on besides uh, uh, Stanley? I mean, uh, Riley Moss didn't have a great game. I, I was going to say Rastetter. I mean, two of his punts were just like line drives, right? And then the one at the, I mean, after Iowa got screwed on the holding plays and then couldn't move out of their own, you know, shadow of their own goal line. Jim, what I didn't I turn directly to you on the couch and said, watch, this will be a line drive right into the guy's chest. And yeah. God damn, that's exactly right. what he did. There you go. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't he wasn't driving the punts very well. He was trying to get he couldn't decide if he wanted it to roll or get distance or, or whatever. And so he kind of split the difference and it ended up just like fielder's choice right to the punt returning guy. So. Uh, yeah, that was bad. Uh, um, I, you know, I, I wonder what happened to Noah Fant. I mean, we haven't heard from him much. He had a one one really solid play, I think, one really good catch and run uh, last week. I mean, totally shown up by whoever number nine was. Again, um, completely forgettable guy. Stanley, you know, totally shown up by eighth-year senior David Blau. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was tough to watch. Yeah, as far as Noah Fant's concerned, he's touched the ball 36 times this year, which is good for four times a game, once a quarter. And uh, if you got an All-American at any position, don't you want to let him make plays? I, I mean, I'm, I'm no Chris Fant supporter, but... They must be taking the him out something. somehow. They must be take, doing something to scheme against him to take him out of, uh, out of, the, out of the play. I think, you know, it's time also, since we're kind of going through our airing of grievances here, to say I, I feel like both the Penn State and Purdue game might have been won if we had our even our usual level of rushing attack. I mean, they're doing okay. You know, they're, they're knocking around and getting some runs and getting around 100 yards. But when's the last time 
has has Iowa once this season done a typical Iowa strangle game where they just I guess Maryland, you know, that game where you just pound, 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 five, six yards, then ten yards and, and just take over a game when it needs to be taken over. Uh that that that's all they needed to do to beat Purdue after they got the lead. And they, they just simply don't have that aspect of their game this year. And that's not Iowa football. And I know it must be driving the Ferences crazy. Yeah, we really don't have a, a Liddell Betts. Um, I'm watching the 2000 Northwestern game right now or a Sean Green or an Akram Wadley guy. It seems like we have like a bunch of Marcus Simmons and Damon Bullocks on the t- on, in the backfield, you know, just also ran running back guys. Uh, so that, Serviceable. They're serviceable. Yeah, oh, definitely. They've... They are college running backs, um, and I think that's about the most you can say about them, really. Um, but but that doesn't help, and um, I don't know. I, I kind of want to turn my attention back to to Riley Moss and not the way that you guys think. I mean, clearly he did have a bad game, but he's also a true freshman, and uh, you know, I guess that's going to happen. I, I kind of wonder if we've got you know, <clears throat> arguably college football's defensive back whisperer in Phil Parker. How does it go from, you know, we run off Manny Ragumba and Matt Hankins plays his radio too loud, and now all we have is true freshmen? Why don't we have any depth back there? Because uh, uh, Josh Jackson uh, was getting a pick six and, uh, on Sunday. I don't <laughs> There's one hole. Uh, that's fair. And Ragumba's <laughs> the other hole, right? And, yeah, no, and, that, well, Hankins, I think, is still a little banged up from what I read, but then... But then where were the freaking safeties? I mean, what happened to Iowa cover two? You don't let anything get behind you. Well, one I mean, of them yeah, was playing linebacker, Tori. Riley Moss got a, burned a couple times, no doubt about it. But cornerbacks get burned a couple times. You know, that was what I was more pissed off about. The, the complete lack of, you know, deep help for anybody. Especially when you have two freshman corners out there. That's, that's just a sin. I, I don't know what plays were called. And maybe the safeties were kind of keying in on stopping Rondale more. And if they they were, then you know, obviously they did a good job. But you know, well, that, that I think that Bill, is a good point too. You pointed that out is that even if Moore was sort of injured, that they could use him as a distraction. So maybe they had him running routes to pull the safety out of the play, so that very they could well one on one with. Which to me, that now we're into this level where we're talking like basically, um, you know, we're just being out coached. Um, because that's exactly what they said was last year was that, you know, they got that guy. I don't even remember his name. The guy who burned us twice in the third quarter last year. Um, you know, they got him one-on-one with, uh, with Ojemudia, right. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and that was exactly what they wanted to do. And this year it was, uh, what's his face? Number nine. So it's, it, it to me, it just seems like they're kind of, they're the bait and switch, you know, they know exactly what we're going to do in that cover two with our safeties and they're like, look, we're going to take the safety out of the play. We're going to make your cornerback beat us. And Josh Jackson doesn't work here anymore. So, um, you know, yeah, I think it's, it's fair to say that Jeff Brome has outcoached Kirk Ferentz in two games. Is that, is that, well, he's outcoached Phil Parker here? for sure. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's got Parker's number, something fierce. And he's seems to be the only one in the big 10 that has so far. I hope he doesn't talk to other people. I hope, uh, Fat Fitzgerald isn't watching film right now because, unfortunately, he's a quick learner. Yeah, yeah, they dink and dunk, though. They they don't throw deep. 
Well, if our listenership extends to anybody in a position to hire people at Louisville, uh, please hire Jeff Brom away before <laughs> before we play them next year. Or the Browns. Yeah, anybody. Yeah, I'm kind of counting on uh, the Browns or Ohio State to take Matt Campbell. I so. think, yeah, Campbell's probably not long for Iowa State. I don't think uh, Brom is long for uh, for Purdue. And, you know, for all of our complaints about Iowa, at least we're not just, you know, at least we don't have that problem, right? That uh, nobody wants to hire our coaches? No, no. I mean, it's just like, you know <laughs> that, like, it, it's the it's the flip side of, you know, having your coaching staff park their careers in one place is is this idea that, you know, oh, we won, shit, we're going to lose our coach. <laughs> right. So. Are you yeah. calling him Fat Pitts Gerald? Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I kind of love that. I've never heard that before. I'm going to steal that from you, Jim. Uh, well, I think at first time it was a slip of the tongue, but it's one of the, it's catchy. I think it'll, I think I'll stick with it. So it's, I'm, I'm into it. Should we talk about Northwestern a little bit? <sighs> how did, how did they get to where, you know, again, Tori, another one of the things I say a lot is it's their Cinderella story. We're just the villain, you know, that they have to overcome. Right. How does Northwestern after that opening season and losing to what, who did they lose to? Akron. Yeah, I mean, just uh, how do they end up now here, two games ahead in the West with three games to play, <laughs> control of their own destiny, and coming into Iowa City, even if they lose, they've still got to face what Illinois and I. What is their last game? Minnesota, Illinois, Minnesota. So they've got us and Illinois, Minnesota. So basically, they can take you know they can do Tory what you always say like a team that's already clinched. Uh, in uh, late August does is just bench your starters and you know and, and just kind of get everybody some rest because they could just take this next week off and still walk into Indy and that that's infuriating but hey at least it's not Wisconsin well and I was gonna say you know you feel like we're snake bit by Northwestern I think I read last week that Wisconsin has lost four of five in Evanston now <laughs> And that's the mighty badger that we're all supposed to be so jealous of. Well, if we lose Saturday, that'll be four in a row for uh, Northwestern, won't it? Three in a row, one in overtime. That still counts. Uh, I hate oh, that. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's not good. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying yeah. the mighty badger does even worse against him somehow. Yeah. He's a wizard, Pat Fitzgerald. Ah, <sighs> that guy. He really is. And speaking of, you know... Clayton Thorson's been there as long as David Blau. What didn't they both come in in the 2007 recruiting class? <laughs> I think it was 1997. I think so too. I think I went to school with him. <laughs> yeah, but they don't have any running backs, so I don't know if that if if that plays to our strengths. I don't know. I mean, yeah, and Thorson's Thorson gonna have to throw it around. Either. Okay. Right, so well, you know. This should be a week where the defensive line tees off. Yeah, I mean, they. I made the joke in a, a text thread that they hadn't gotten off the bus before halftime. So, yeah, they they definitely could show up in a major way, and that'd be appreciated. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You, you always text us about how great Northwestern is, but they almost lost to Nebraska, should have lost to Nebraska, you know, lost to Akron, just got beat by 10 to, by Notre Dame. I don't know. 
I, I guess maybe that's where that ten point they line should comes have lost, from. They should have lost to Rutgers. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they beat Rutgers, Rutgers by a field goal. Um, I don't get. And then they come come back the next week and they just you know bitch slap Wisconsin. It's it's weird. Um, well, yeah, but Wisconsin was, was a mash unit too. that game. Yeah, I mean well, not not only Hornybrook, but I mean they they had like ten guys out. So yeah, Wisconsin's you know, a paper type. The other thing a I remember paper, about yeah. about them just to just to kind of put an exclamation point on how weird Northwestern is. They beat Stanford that year with Christian McCaffrey and yeah. everything. <laughs> that was the year we destroyed them. And we destroyed Northwestern, and we're thinking, Stanford, come on. <laughs> no, I, I, the lesson is to never try to draw any conclusions out of what Northwestern does. No. You just can't. But I will say this. The teams that I feel, feel that... Here's one, you know, we talked a lot of negative stuff out of the Purdue game, but one positive that I saw is on those kind of dink and dunk plays, I thought Iowa came up and tackled really well. It was the the bombs that killed Iowa in that game. Yeah, it was the big plays. Um, The tackling was great for the most part in that game, and I think if you can be disciplined and play that kind of game, that is Northwestern's game. Northwestern's not going to, you know, throw an 82-yard touchdown pass on you. So I, I like the matchup, and it looks like Vegas does too. So we got to believe it, right? Uh, I know, and the weather's going to be in our favor too. It's going to be cold. It's going to be winter. What's it going to be in Iowa City? Um, they said it's going to be, you know, it's basically going to turn cold here beginning Thursday or Friday, Tori. I don't know if you've seen the – but it should be in the 30s. Ooh. Highs in the 30s. Wow. So, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm watching the 2000 Northwestern game right now while we play, and that was a – Really cold one. Yeah. That was one where uh, they had hung 50-something on Michigan the week before and or Rose Bowl bound, and, and Kyle McCann and the 3-9 and nine 2000 Hawkeyes beat them. <laughs> we, could, we could wake up some of those echoes. Hey, you know, if you're going to be a spoiler, you know, I can think of no better coach to ruin his day. Break a leg, fat Fitzgerald. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Oof. Ouch. Uh, all right, so then let's talk about what's left after that. I mean, Illinois is Illinois. They're probably. I mean, does Lovey Smith survive this year, Tori? I think he's gone. I mean, when I did think he start? He does. When, no, he. I when think did he start looking like a, Santa Claus? I mean, that yeah, was yeah. This is like a four to five year rebuilding thing they had going, and apparently they're recruiting somewhat okay. And they've also been bit bad by injuries. It's like every year their two best players get injured in the first week. They they have always recruited very well above their showing in the you know on the field and that's always been an astonishment to me. I would uh, want to champagne for four years. <laughs> that that is a, a just a sucky town. I don't know. I was <laughs> I I'm glad we went in 2016, but and I'm also glad that I'm not gonna have to go back because I've scratched it off the list. But um, I do like that their student section all wears the gray Lovey Smith beards. I mean, that's at wow. least something interesting about it. That'll just show you, man, whether you're a student or a coach, four years in Illinois will age you. <laughs> <laughs> then, of course, Nebraska to end things. And did you guys see any of their game against Ohio State? Uh, some of it. Um, you probably watched more of it than, than we did, right? Oh, yeah. I watched a lot of it. I think, Bill, Ohio State is not Ohio State this year. No, they're not. I couldn't tell if Ohio State looked bad or if Nebraska is suddenly good, but I guess I'm leaning toward the former. I think Ohio State is 
basically coasting on name recognition at this point. Not a bad problem to have, I guess. I, I guess. I mean, well, we're not going to know anything this week because they play Illinois. And then, but did you see that kick? That was my favorite part of the whole week. <laughs> I mean, I remember the, the, the time that, uh, um, oh, crap, who was our punter before um, uh, drawing the blank in the Michigan game when he just kind of whiffed on the punt and then decided to take off running and then just, like, tripped <laughs> over the chalk line and did a backflip and... Who is that guy? Uh, it's Ron, Ron Kaluzzi. Ron Kaluzzi. Thank Kaluzzi. you. Oh, man. Oh, the minute, man. That, guy the minute that guy graduated and got on Twitter, the world became, the world a, became a, a more interesting place. More interesting place. But, um, is but, he an um, interesting follow? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he I was. Think so. Or he was. I don't know if he's still active but active but but um but um but yeah that but yeah from that nebraska, from nebraska was, i don't was, even know it's almost like it's almost like he didn't even kick like like over the football over the football and it went the and it the went other, the direction other direction and i don't even know what happened on that what happened on that ohio state did ohio state capitalize it on capitalize it on where they too busy giggling it was an attempted onside kick i don't know how it culminated because yeah i was too busy giggling as well but that's the second time nebraska's done that this year they they against purdue the same kicker came out and fell on his ass. Well, you know, once is well, you a, know, once is a, a once is a fluke. Twice is twice trying is to do <laughs> trying to do something, right? I, I hope they do that against Iowa, and I also hope one of their linemen falls over backwards unprovoked. <laughs> you guys know we've just cemented that they're going to convert a friggin' onside <laughs> kick against <laughs> Iowa now. You know? Oh, Tori, if this oh, thing is Tori, close enough, thing is that close enough that they attempt, attempt an onside kick, uh, I'll be uh, I'll uh, be crying into my into my into my into my illicit flask of fireball, fireball into the stadium. Into the stadium. So, well, hopefully, Bill, hopefully, Bill, the rest of the Iowa team that's still there has the same level of disdain as our friends. With the washed up walkouts podcast, because you know they didn't have much good to say about the uh, moral fiber and the fight of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. God help us if we lose that game. I, I I don't even know what I'll do. You might just have to stay in Iowa, Bill. Yeah, I might, here's what yeah. we'll do: if 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 they lose, you might need to move to Council Bluffs. <laughs> That's still too close to Nebraska. <laughs> That'd be a very fitting punishment. I mean, it changes your commute. I understand that, and your wife's commute, and hopefully she'll understand. You just gotta say, "Honey, I know you like the house here, and it's a good neighborhood and good schools, but uh, I lost a football bet on the podcast." You understand? <laughs> I saw on Reddit it was uh, proposed that the loser of Nebraska Iowa has to keep Council Bluffs, has to claim <laughs> Council Bluffs, and I think that's that's pretty fair. Actually, for anyone we, who hasn't spent a lot of time there, we can sweeten the deal and say they have to take Steve King. Oh God, yes, please! They, <laughs> without opening that can of worms. Uh, awesome. All right, guys. So, who well, won the Gnome this week? You know, that's a good question. Uh, let me just take a look because it's going to be a source of, I think, um, extensive argument since we all picked Iowa. So. I'm going to politic for me because I had Nate Stanley to click. Well, so did Tori. So, first. Although I think I was more irrationally exuberant in the score. Dude, I had them winning by two. I had them winning by two scores. Are you kidding? I had. uh, All right, so let's pull it up here. So we had for Purdue. Tory had Iowa winning by four. Picked a click Stanley. Bill had Iowa winning by three. Picked a click Stanley, and I had Iowa winning by twelve. Picked a click. Clearly, I win. 
narrow win by Bill. I think he got Bill on this one, which means... I am the uh, smartest man alive. Well, I hope you feel dirty. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Well, uh, he would have won even if Iowa had uh, salted the clock away too, because it would have been a one-point win. So, oh, right, 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 yeah. Bill had it covered either way. Bill, Bill was, Bill was actually very close in that. So he so. didn't have to buy off the refs, you say? Yeah, no. All right. Well, Bill, then uh, what's your uh, or or do we go losers go first or how do we what did we decide? Yeah, I'll take first, even though I don't know what I'm going to say. All right. uh, five seconds ahead of time. I guess I, I like what Vegas has to say, and like the Iowa Hawkeyes, I, you know, don't have much to play for anymore, and the the pressure's off. And uh, let let's let's go big. Let's say Iowa's gonna you know click in all three phases of the game, thirty five twenty Hawkeyes, Ooh. and uh, Noah Fant gets more than four touches this week. Okay, I like it. I mean. I hope you're right, hey, and we can. Don't that way call we can me leave. negative or up and down or whatever <laughs> else they have to say about me on Hawkeye Report. Well, see, it means that we could leave early, and it's going to be cold. So if they're up yeah. by two scores, you know, I'm liking that. Tori, what are your oh. thoughts, or do you want me to go next, or what? Uh, no, I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, like I said, you know, I, I think that now that uh, just like Bill, pressure is off. Um, I think this is actually a good matchup for Iowa. Uh, a little bit of what I was reading today is one of the reasons the line is as wide as it is, is the analytics love Iowa in this game, that our strengths are Northwestern's weaknesses and vice versa. Um, so, you know, I'm going to predict a big Iowa win as well. Uh, quietly, Iowa is putting up a lot of 30 plus point games. You know, I think mm-hmm. lost in our disappointment over these, uh, the results the last two weeks is that uh I was at least scoring. So again, one of those other things to kind of keep in mind when we're lamenting. I don't know about that, Tori. What do we, we? Our offense has hit thirty what three times? Um, uh, one time games. it was a losing effort last week. So yeah, and again, I think you know that Maryland game is kind of an aberration as well. I mean, the really only poor offensive game in my mind was the Iowa State game. I mean, I've been pretty pleased for the most part uh wisconsin some failures in the red zone and the you know bad field position issues but um i don't know i like the offense so um, i only had 13 at penn state I, i'm sorry i'm I'll, I'll let you pick i i think i was going to uh score 31 and northwestern is going to score 20 and i you know my pick to click i think we finally see that 100 yard rusher uh this this week and i think it's going to be uh ivory kelly martin Ooh. Well, you said analytics, and ESPN uh, gives us a 77.8% chance of winning the game. So there you have it. What are these guys? Okay, so I'm going to be the contrarian then. Sorry. Um, I just, you know, uh, I've I've had my heart broken too many times. I think it's going to be Northwestern 27, Iowa 21. Um, I feel like we just kind of struggle on offense. We make a bunch of boneheaded special teams uh, miscues. Defense looks pretty solid, but but maybe there's a pick six in there and and Northwestern is able to salt this one away. My pick to click is also in the running game, but I'm going with uh, uh, Mekhi Sargent. I think that he's um, starting to emerge as maybe the, the, the bell cow here more than Ivory Kelly Martin. I think you're right, Tori. I think Ivory Kelly Martin is the complete package, but he's just not been 100% healthy. And in the interim, I think Sargent has really stepped up his game. So 
I'm gonna pick against the Hawkeyes. I hope I'm wrong, but I just see I just see uh, you know I see seven and five, eight and four on our horizon, guys. Hey, I got a question. If we do indeed lose this game, and the offense is only able to put up 21, or you know, you said there might be a pick six in there, so that would mean the offense put up 14. Do we start to see a lot more uh, fuel in the fire for uh, Peyton Manziel to to start? No. Okay. I mean, on the boards, yes. Anything that translates into reality and coaching decisions, no. So, like 2012 again, when the season's lost, we just couldn't get Rudock in at all. Yeah, I mean, Ference usually succumbs to these sorts of things, but it just takes them, you know, somewhere around seven losses before they finally get them get a clue. So. <laughs> Well, more interesting to me is if if that happens the the way you said, Bill, and uh, you know, I think you're now in very very difficult territory of selling Brian Ference as the future coach in waiting. Maybe we could hire Jeff Brom. <laughs> yeah, that guy's good. I hear I hear he might be looking for a a bump up in a new job. He wouldn't have to change he's, colors. He's kind of that salt of the earth Iowa type of guy. I saw a Big Ten Network show and and uh, I'll I'll stop getting off topic here, that his first week at Purdue, uh, campus security came along, and they found the head coach's uh, uh, parking spot, and there was an old beat-up Nissan in it, so they towed it, and it turned out that that was Brome's car. Campus (laughs) security had to get his uh, car out of uh, of Hawk for him, because he's that (laughs) down-to-earth. He's you know, not into shiny cars and you know stuff like that. So and yet he's not. An uh, and yet he's not down to earth enough to buy American. Come on, <laughs> uh, he's not down so, to earth enough to stop picking on Riley Moss. I think <laughs> Nissans are made in Indiana, Jim. Uh, meanwhile, your Ford is made in Mexico. So no, can we? My Ford was made in Canada. Bite your though? tongue. Bite your tongue. Can we keep our defensive coordinator though? Because I don't want Purdue's defense. Obviously. Brom has de- demonstrated that he can more than capably do Phil Parker's job at this point. So, no. <laughs> Ouch. So, oh, that's probably as good a point as any to start to wind this one up, guys. Uh, well, you know, say it, Jim. I... Matt, Matt Campbell might be looking for a job. I'm just saying. I don't like the cut of his jib. I don't either. I, I don't like that he's still rocking that 1998 Caesar cut. Man, his teeth weird me out. <laughs> you know what? Dabo Sweeney is one of the weirdest individuals in the world, and somehow he's the only person that ever beats Alabama. So I think I would be willing to overlook a lot <laughs> to get to uh, some football success. So, uh, But, you know, we've still got a lot. Like here, here's, here's, a better, here's a better thought to go out on. How about we win out, go nine and three, don't lose to any team that we were uh, favored against, and win our bowl game and come back with uh, awesome feelings about the Ferencian dynasty to come. Yeah, we can spank Oregon in the uh, Holiday Bowl and spend New Year's Eve in uh, San Diego. Chilling Until it doesn't happen, we can still Fantastic to me. All right, and if it doesn't happen, it's Bill's fault. <laughs> All right. <I'll>... Fine. <laughs> All right, let's bring this one in for a landing, guys, like we always do on Iowa. Go Hawks. Beat Nebraska, please. <laughs> it's looking shaky, but. 
See you guys.